Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And I am continuing my series of guest episodes from the podcast Potalooza. Oh, I can't even say it now. Said it so many times today. It was a wonderful experience. It was a full day conference where not only did you learn how to be a good guest and a better host, but you got an opportunity to interview people on the spot. And joining me today, is Brian Ludwig, and I'm excited because he talks about focusing in on your numbers. And I know that may not seem exciting, but let me just share with you. When back early in my entrepreneur career, I did not know my numbers. And I would be frustrated because I didn't think I was growing and I didn't couldn't see the results. But once I started focusing in on my numbers, so I knew how many people I needed to talk to to get a customer. I knew how many people I needed to talk to to get a recruit for my company. My business skyrocketed. So I am so excited for this conversation today. Now, Brian works with growth-minded entrepreneurs who are frustrated with the current performance of their business, whether it's related to inconsistent cash flow, working long hours, or simply not seeing the light at the end of their tunnel. And hello, amen, we've all been there. So for the last 30 plus years, uh, Brian has been working with owners to transform their businesses into a business that provides more consistent cash flow. Hello, yes. Gives them more time freedom and achieves their dream goals for their business. So welcome to the show, Brian. Hello, Kim. I'm glad to be here. So, Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself. How how did you get into doing this? I kind of have a have a long journey that I took to get to where I am now. When I ask people now what they expect I took at university, seems like ages ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, they automatically assume commerce, business. Then I tell them, I'm actually an agrologist. If they know what that means, that means agriculture. I actually took agriculture. As soon as I was done my degrees, I went back to the farm and started up a research farm. And of course, like most entrepreneurs, I didn't like doing numbers at that time. I thought, oh, that's why I get an accountant for. Mm-hmm. Well, after the first year, uh, I, go, I do my taxes. And I was still going to university, so I didn't have much money. Uh, Basically, everything I earned was going into my business and covering the initial losses. Well, my accountant basically says, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, you can't write off all your business losses against your personal income because I was incorporated. said, so you have a $2,000 tax bill. And by the way, here's my accounting bill for $2,000. 
And and keep in mind, we're talking like money 40 years ago. So that was a lot of money for a starving university student. That's where I get the hardcore lesson. Yes, I can't just ignore the numbers and rely on other people to do it. I have to take an interest and I don't need to be an expert, but I need to understand them. Mm-hmm. And in my case, I just kind of took it to the extreme. I basically got more into financial counseling with farmers and got my professional accounting designation. And now I do a lot of cross-border tax work uh, with both Americans and Canadians. But uh, but the key thing is you need to take responsibility for your numbers. Don't just pass it on to someone else. Mm-hmm. So, so true. So, so true. You know, I've heard many stories like yours of people, you know, who didn't Um, here in Canada. And and you are a fellow Canadian, are you not, Brian? Yes, I am. Awesome. Where are you located? I'm in Saskatchewan. Ah, out west. I'm in Ontario. So, um, you know, when I first started, um, I was in some MLM, so that was a different. But when I had my first sort of, you know, legal business, I was very blessed to have a mother-in-law who gave me the business, who showed me all the accounting ropes and showed me how to understand the numbers. And then I tied in with an amazing accountant who, who really helped me. And she gave me a lot of hints and tips. And, you know, some of the things that she told me, especially as, you know, a freelancer, solopreneur, unincorporated type person was that I should either a, be putting aside some of the money that I made to cover the taxes come tax season. But in around that time, the government had set it up so that you could send payments ahead of time. So that when money came in, I would take a a percentage of that. And she helped me figure out what percentage. And I sent that to the government. So come tax time, I didn't have a huge bill. I either had like a very tiny little bill just to balance things out, or I got a refund. And it, it was amazing because now, you know, I wasn't coming into the year owing two, three, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. I had already paid it. Yeah, unfortunately, that's a very common situation with first-time uh, business owners. They come to me after they had their first year of business, and then I tell them, Oh, by the way, this isn't like being an employee. There was no tax deducted off your paychecks. You got to pay this much tax for last year. and by the way, the government's going to make you pay installments based on your high tax bill for next year. So you got to pay two years of taxes in one year. Uh, that hurts most people's pocketbooks, especially if they never saved up like 25 or 35 percent of their net income ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, it. It's one of those things when you become an entrepreneur, it's not sexy. It's not the sexy part of being an entrepreneur, but it is a foundation of your business. And if you don't have that foundation sitting there, I've seen people lose their businesses over it. Yeah, well, all it takes is just one bad decision. And that could be enough to put your business under. Like one thing I find a lot of business owners look at bookkeeping as an expense. Mm-hmm. They think, oh, I just got to spend money on this. I'm going to cut corners. You should actually be looking at bookkeeping as an opportunity to make more money. Uh, just things like marketing. Mm-hmm. This is where if you use your books, kept a good set of records, tracked how you marketed, the number of customers that came back in. This is where you can actually make sure you're making money with your marketing, not just yes. 
throwing it into a big black hole and not having a clue whether it even came close to paying for itself. Mm -hmm. True. So, Brian, I'm going to let you loose for about the next seven-ish minutes or so. So why don't you share with us what you've prepared, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Well, just some tips. Like One of the most important things you need to keep a look at in your business is cash flow. This is where, as a tax accountant, I could prepare your return and tell you, yes, you made money. You got all this much taxes. They often ask me, well, where did this money go to that I made? And that's where, at least when we do tax returns, we don't usually look at the cash flow statement. Mm -hmm. And that's the true picture of where your business is going. Because if you don't have the cash, even if you're profitable, this is where I've seen businesses who are growing ex very extensively and quickly, they run out of cash and go out of business, even though they're profitable. So you need to take a look at where is your cash going. And some of the most key areas that I've seen cash basically get dwindle away is you need to take a look at how much you're paying yourself personally. Yes. I often see business owners who came out of a job where they might have been earning $80,000 a year and they go into business in the first year or two and they still expect to pay themselves that amount of money. But their business actually isn't generating that kind of cash yet. Uh, and that's where they're draining their business out, uh, out of its necessary working capital and needs to keep going. Another area is not tracking your marketing results. I've seen so many people put money into their marketing budget and I ask them, well, did it work for you? Say, well, it doesn't really matter. I'm building my brand awareness. Well, this is where when you're a small business, don't think in terms of buying brand awareness. You, you don't have the deep pockets to do that. That's where multinational companies like Nike and that, they spend millions or billions on brand awareness. You but can't can afford to. <laughs> and then most importantly, look at your, if you have business loans, look at how, how much principal you have to pay back each year. Uh, like in my early years, when I was dealing with a lot of farm clients, that was a big issue. They're, they were starting to pay back massive amounts of principal on their loans, but they weren't making the money to cover that, especially after taxes, because principal and loans are not tax deductible, not like interest is. So that's where I've seen a few entrepreneurs where they decide, I need a new car. And rather than going to the bank and getting a car loan and spreading the payments out over five or seven years, they just write a check for it out of their operating loan. And then all of a sudden, when they actually need the money to pay for operating costs, it's not there. And then when they go to the bank and ask for money, they say, no, we're not going to help you because your operating loan is maxed out. This is where you would have been much better if you had just went in the first place, got a car loan, you would have had a much easier time getting it at that time. And then you would still have your operating loan to pay for expenses like salaries. Or even better still, just save up and buy a nice used car and not have any debt at all on the vehicle. <laughs> well, that's my personal philosophy. My wife would dis disagree with you. She likes going for the high-end cars, but... Uh, that's a personal preference when it comes to cars. <laughs> I'm the cheap accountant. As long as it gets, gets me from point A to point B in an economical fashion, I'm happy. Well, you know, something that you were talking about, it, it just really made me think is the fact that, 
you know, we're, we're not really aware of where the money is going and, you know, how easy it is to overextend ourselves and hit a point where we no longer are financially stable in the business. And, you know, sometimes we think as an entrepreneur, oh, I have to have this, oh, I have to have a website, oh, I have to have this, or I have to have that. And many times in the beginning, you can grow a business quite nicely without having to have all thus, you yes. know, all the things we think we need to have. And, and you know, I, I'm sure you encourage people and, and help them to be able to scale back on their expenses and just focus in on, you know, what is truly needed in your business for it to be successful. Yeah, especially if you're in a digital business, it's very easy to start buying all the whistles and bells and, and you find out, I don't even use 25% of those whistles and bells. You just need a core program that does the job. And there's a lot of good alternatives out there that do that, but they don't charge you an arm and a leg for it. And it it helps you get, gets, may increases your likelihood of succeeding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I so agree. You know, every few months, because sometimes, you know, I'll sign up for something thinking I'm going to use it. So about every three to four months, I kind of, when I have to do my GST and I'm getting everything off to the accountant, uh, going back through everything and just kind of going, oh, wait, you know, like I've been paying for this, but I don't need it anymore. So, you know, three or four times a year, I go back through and I just really look at, you know, my expenses and, you know, where, where are the things that I purchased that I no longer need or memberships or things like that? And then, you know, the stuff I'm not using, I either pause or, you know, I just cancel it and it's never been an issue. Yeah, no, there's a reason why a lot of people get you onto a subscription. Uh, many people just forget about it. And until yeah. they actually sit down and look at the credit card statement and see, oh, what, what are these five monthly charges I have every month? I don't even know what they are anymore. Yeah, that's a good chance that you probably can cancel it. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you can be putting out hundreds of dollars a month and not even realize it because it just automatically comes out of your bank account. Yep. No, it's very easy for that to happen. Do you have any other tips for us today, Brian? Well, the key thing is just get into the habit of working with your numbers throughout the year. Like all too often, I get many business owners come to me three months after the year end is over. They bring in their big shoebox of receipts. So right away, I know okay, the only thing they've ever done is maybe look at their bank balance and see if there's cash. And I don't know how often I have to tell them bad news saying, uh, this is happening. And now it's getting to the point where it's too late. Like it's, if we would have could dress as a year ago, you would have been in much better shape or able to recover. But now your bank accounts are drained and you have no flexibility anymore. That's one advantage of keeping on top of your numbers, just so that when these issues start to come up, you can address them very quickly. You know, because I was taught so well um, by my mother-in-law, I remember the first time I went and I, I brought everything to an accountant. And this person was amazed because, you know, like your clients, most of the time they get handed piles of paper in the shoebox with receipts in it. And I had everything organized. I had it dated. I had everything organized by date. I had it separated into folders so that every folder, I had expense folders, income folders, tax information folders, home, auto, insurance, phone, internet. Like I had everything. 
And I handed it to him and he just like his jaw dropped. I had dotted every I and crossed every T. And I mean, I'd even gone through and anywhere where I didn't have a receipt, I had indicated it on my bank statement. I mean, he's like, you're my dream client. <laughs> I was just about to say that. I don't see many clients organized like that. Well, the way I look at it, and, and don't get me wrong, because I have no problems paying my accountant. I'm very, very happy with her. Um, but I don't need to be paying her hundreds and hundreds of dollars to organize my garbage, my stuff, my, you know, all of my receipts. Like, you know, it takes me a few hours, but I, I don't need to be paying her for those few hours. I can invest that money in you know, and growing my business. And she appreciates it too, because she's a busy accountant and she doesn't have time to sort it all out either. Yes, it's it's a dilemma. Most small business owners, they hate numbers. So that's where they like to pass it on to someone else. But this is where the drawback is. Like for me as an accountant, I get a big box of receipts and I'm saying there, are these all business related or are they sneaking in a lot of personal receipts that's going to come back to haunt me if I try to claim them? It's, it makes it much easier when you work with your accountant, uh, like as a partner mm -hmm. and work on your books cooperatively. And that way you can make sure you get all the right deductions without getting into trouble with the tax department. Yeah, because that's important too. Like, you know, you have to be really careful about mixing the personal and, and the business, right? You know, we might have some new entrepreneurs on here. I I have separate bank accounts. I have bank accounts that are just for my business and I have my personal bank accounts. And occasionally I do mess up and occasionally, you know, put something through personal and because I forget or whatever, but I always mark it down so it doesn't get you know, put as, as a business expense. So Brian, take a couple of minutes and just maybe talk about that a little bit. And then how can people connect with you if they've enjoyed the conversation today and they want to find out more about, you know, focusing in on their numbers, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So like in terms of what you were just talking about, that's probably the biggest fear of many people is that dreaded audit. But actually an audit isn't as scary as most people think it is, as long as you do a couple of things. First of all, you keep track of every scrap of paper that comes into your business. You document everything and not just business items. I also, I also recommend tracking all your personal finances and keeping track of the documents. Because one of the tricks that the government will do when they audit you, they just won't look at your business bank accounts. They'll also say, we wanna see all your personal bank accounts. And they'll automatically assume all deposits is income unless you can prove it's personal. So if you don't keep track of your personal documents, if you got a gift from your brother three years ago for $500 and forgot about it, they could bring it in as business income unless you can prove it otherwise. So make a copy of that check before you deposit it or keep whatever documents you have. And then the second thing you can do to prevent the fear of an audit is just be honest when you do your books you are allowed to claim anything that's business related. This is where stick to that. Don't get carried away trying to write off like a personal mobile home that you go down south with. I had a farmer who tried doing that and he was saying, oh, I take it out to the field during harvest for meals. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yes, I've eaten a lot of meals on the back of a truck. You would not take a $100,000 mobile home out to the field. 
And sure enough, he did lose. The auditor didn't even come close to believing him. But that's where it makes it bad. They start questioning everything else you put down on your documents. So just be reasonable. Claim what's ever business related. Make sure you have the documentation to back everything up. And you've got very little to fear. Awesome. How can people get a hold of you, Brian? Well, the, uh, the, probably the simplest. Uh, they can reach me by email at brian at brianludwig.ca. Okay. Or they can look me up on my LinkedIn profile at, under Brian Ludwig CPA. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I loved this conversation about, you know, focusing in and understanding your numbers. So this has been Brian Ludwig and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift that I would love to give you. Coming out this year, I am releasing my book, Author to Authority. And if you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, professional coach, or speaker, and you want to find out how to gain visibility and how to build your business bigger, stronger, faster, then I recommend that you download a free sample of the Author to Authority book at www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. It's going to be a great resource for you that teaches the author to authority concept and the six key areas that you build authority in and how you can use a book to do it all faster. So don't forget, get your free copy today.